Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Adam Cole, the couple's financial coach who helps couples go from financial overwhelm or fighting to peace of mind, clarity, and teamwork. It all starts with communication, and Adam is breaking down all of the things that you need in your relationship to help you be more confident with your finances, more successful, and reaching the different goals that you have, whether it's buying a house, saving for a car, uh, saving for a wedding, even just trying to have a little more extra spending money. Adam will help you get there with all of the great advice that he's dropping in here. He also talks about how he even got into this in the first place. He's had quite the wacky journey to get here, and there are lots of good insights that he's picked up along the way. On top of that, Adam is a musician, and he makes financial parodies that are both educational and very entertaining. Personal favorite is about financial planning to the tune of Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. It's magical and wonderful, and I highly recommend it because it's also educational. It'll teach you a lot, too, which is super cool. And because Adam is a grad of the Miami Hurricanes, the University of Miami, just like yours truly, we're going to geek out over some football and basketball because that's what we do, and it's great. If you'd like to support Good People Cool Things, you can do so via the merch shop at goodpeoplecoolthings.com slash shop. You can also reach out joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com or holler at the show on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, GPCT Podcast. I was about to say .com, but there's no .coms. It's just an at sign. Super easy, super wonderful, just like this conversation with Adam. So let's hop on to it. For people that don't know who Adam Cole is, can you give us your elevator pitch? But can you also tell us the elevator that we're riding on while you're telling us about yourself? Well, first of all, uh, I think human beings are phenomenally complex, which is part of why I love the work I get to do with human beings every day, coaching couples around their money. Uh, so I don't think any of us can quite fit into an elevator pitch. So I'll tell you a story when I was on an elevator one day, it was a Friday. And at the time I was working as a tax lawyer at a big accounting firm called Deloitte. And uh, I jumped in the elevator and there was this woman and she just looked so alive. And I was like, you must have some amazing plans this weekend. And she starts telling me what she's doing. And then she asked me, what about you? Do you have any weekend plans? And I said, yes, I'm going to be going to uh, this animal sanctuary and helping some chickens. And she's like, are you vegan? And I'm like, yes, are you? She's like, yes. It was like uh, the scene from Step Brothers. Do we just become best friends? Right. Uh, And Joe actually became a friend and colleague of mine who does wonderful work in the training and coaching space as well. And, uh, you know, I can't say that all of my elevator compadres enjoy this but I'm like when I got a captive audience I want to meet them and talk with them because I find people absolutely fascinating and I mean honestly that's really what led me to doing this kind of work as a coach Uh, when I work with my couples and my clients around finances it's not just about okay here's a plan for you or okay go fill in the spreadsheet right it's about let's get to know each other well let me get to understand what makes you tick the things that you're able to say to your partner or maybe not yet able to say how we can get the two of you communicating in a healthier way, cultivating more intimacy uh, so that you can have the relationship you actually want alongside kicking butt financially. And was couples always kind of the the goal for you or did you 
start out working more with individuals and just kind of found that these conversations either weren't happening and needed to be happening or were happening, but people had no idea where to start. (laughs) A little bit of all the columns. I don't remember (laughs) if you named two or more, but uh, yeah, I mean, initially, so I know I mentioned I was a tax lawyer and after I did that, I wanted to do something a little closer to my heart. So I worked on housing and homelessness related issues at a nonprofit, uh, which I love the cause, but I wanted to be working more with people. And so while I was looking later on for jobs that were more with people, I also started this coaching business. Uh, and originally I was helping people with their finances and also with communication and with relationships. I'm a certified mediator as well. And so that's what I love to work with people on trying to help them resolve conflicts, learn healthy communication skills. And then it was just through a fortunate conversation that I realized, whoa, there is a huge need at the intersection of relationships and money. And it's one of the top stressors is finances. And one of the top causes of divorce is financial stress. And when I went to Google and Amazon to look for people and books focused on this, I could barely find any. And that didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, how is this regularly a top three or four cause of divorce in every single study you read? And there's fewer than 10 books about it. And there's nobody who specializes in this out there that I can find. It really blew my mind. And I looked and said, you know, okay, so there's no blueprint for this, but I think I've got the right skill set. As a former financial advisor, hadn't mentioned that part, but I did that before law school. As a former tax lawyer, as a certified mediator, as a coach, I said, you know what? I think I've got the right skill set on both sides, the human side of things, as well as the financial side to be able to bring these together um, and not just help couples to stop fighting or overcome their anxiety or overwhelm. But the goal is really that this becomes an area of strength in your relationship. It becomes It becomes a source of connection and intimacy. It becomes a place where you have more clarity around what really matters to you and what you want. You have the confidence that you're moving in the right direction. You're working as a team. And along with that, you get the sense of mutual accomplishment, but also that peace of mind, right? Because we all know money can keep us up at night. Um, And to the extent that we have all of that clarity, confidence, teamwork around it creates a real sense of peace of mind. And that's something I think we can all use a little little more of uh, over this past year. Now, I I do want to dive some more into this, but... Let's start first with a frivolous purchase, because I just saw this Twitter thread the other day that I thought was very fantastic. (laughs) Have you made during the pandemic just a wild sort of, whether an impulse or whether it was planned, but just kind of like a ridiculous purchase that you thought you'd never have bought prior to the pandemic? (laughs) Well, I bought a new TV for my bedroom, which wasn't a frivolous purchase, uh, but then I bought one of these wall mounts and it wasn't just your ordinary wall mount, right? I needed a wall mount that could swivel in all the directions. So I went out and bought this and honestly at the time, and you could still make the argument, but I love it because when I'm sitting on the bed, I can watch the TV straight on, but I can also turn it and move it up and down. And it's great. You know, when I'm in different parts of the room, if I want the TV on. So Perhaps for me, I'm a very conservative spender. So, you know, that's about as frivolous as you're going to get out of me. But uh, (laughs) I ended up being glad that I made it. Yeah, I think that seems pretty practical. You never know where you're going to need to be in the room to watch something. So I I applaud it. I I 
I also like to think I'm generally pretty conservative, or if I am being frivolous, it's a smaller purchase. You know, it's like, like I was trying to think of what my answer for this would be, and it was it would either be uh, a putting green, which mm. was like I think with the uh, with the putter and a, I think it's like a twelve pack of uh, golf balls. Mm. I think all of that with tax and everything was like sixty dollars. So okay. I feel like I've gotten a decent amount of enjoyment out of it <laughs> yeah i mean look you know i guess as i think more about it there is the thousand piece star wars puzzle that i haven't <laughs> done yet but will get done uh and you know i'm sure i could think up a couple more but we'll stay with that for now yeah i think all of those two are like those are hobbies you can you know get some enjoyment out of it and and that's not to say like some of the other things from this thread someone had gotten uh, it appeared to be a giant inflatable hot tub but like a, a full size one and they mm. said that they lived in a small Philadelphia apartment. So they uh, I don't think they had used that, but they made the purchase. And uh, another person got a church pew and uh, transported it in their, their hatchback. So they showed a picture of it just like jutting out of their the back of their car. But I guess now they have a, a solid wooden bench in their house. Is for praying purposes or do they just... Unclear. They didn't specify. Okay. <laughs> I, it seemed like maybe perhaps the church was closing and was maybe yeah. doing a bit of like a, a fire sale of items in there. I don't know if there was just the one pew or if, you know, anyone could could get uh, get their hands on that. So maybe I don't I don't know what uh, city the, this person was in, but maybe there's 50 people around the, the neighborhood that all have church pews which is kind of a nice way to stay connected <laughs> whatever Good. works right community exactly. is sorely lacking so if if use church pews is what gets you there all right yes. <laughs> now you mentioned how there isn't a ton of information out there on uh, finances specifically around couples and, and talking about it and it's also an area that I think is probably pretty easy to have misinformation around it, too. You know, maybe it's someone saying, like, they heard from a another friend, like, oh, that's how that conversation went. So that's how all of these are going to go and things like that. So what are some of the top myths around money and love and relationships? Yeah, well, there are a lot out there. And, you know, when I get a chance to speak to an audience like yours, I tend to focus a little bit more on the myths around talking about money and how it affects our relationships. Now, do I believe they're financial myths? Absolutely, right? Um, there's also a lot of really cool podcasts talking about these financial topics, but what gets missed is these intersections, right? Um, and what I find in terms of, I think the most important myths is, you know, I'll speak directly to the listeners. If you're somebody who, you know, maybe you've got a solid relationship or marriage, but if you're honest, money's kind of an uncomfortable topic, you prefer to avoid it, or you feel overwhelmed or afraid or embarrassed about talking about it. Um, it's very easy to create walls to why you never actually sit down and work on it in earnest, right? And so over time I've seen, well, what are these walls that we build? What are what is their content? Uh, typically, it looks and sounds something like, "Well, you know, honestly, it's if we talk about money, it's just going to make things worse." Or, "Yeah, maybe Adam, it worked for those other clients, but 
it's not going to work for us. I'm not going to change. My partner's not going to change. Right. Or, yeah, I mean, we could do this, but it's probably not worth the time and energy. Right. And the reality is uh, for all my clients, I've seen it over and over again. uh, Unfortunately, those don't hold water. And I say, unfortunately, because once you acknowledge that, then you'll end up looking into talking about this with your partner and it might be uncomfortable at times, but that's okay. All right. So I want to share an example. Uh, I had one couple who came to me and in the consultation, I asked the wife, so what's the likely outcome if the status quo stays in place, you know, a few years from now. And she goes, honestly, if things don't change in a few years, the kids will be a little older. I'm probably going to walk out. And that was the first time she'd ever said that to her husband. First time she'd ever said it out loud. She said it while he was sitting right next to her. Uh, She said it while he was sitting right next to her. She said it in front of me, a relative stranger. Um, And that was an intense moment. But fast forward to a few weeks later and inside of them both committing to work on this, there was such a weight lifted off of their shoulders. And how do I know? Well, the husband, when he came to me, said his biggest frustration was they worked really hard to build a home. They live in an expensive metro area, but they couldn't turn it into their dream home because of the money. Well, within a couple of weeks, he was doing all kinds of projects around the house. Now, it wasn't because they saved a ton of money, although they immediately started saving hundreds a month on bank fees, but it was because that weight, that heaviness of knowing deep in his heart, if we don't fix this, it's going to end up going really poorly. That had lifted. And instead of feeling the sense of separation from his wife, now they felt that sense of togetherness and partnership. And all of a sudden he was like, wait, there's a lot of projects I can do around the house that don't cost a lot of money. So he got his dad involved. He got the kids helping out and it became this family team kind of thing. And it was all based on them just kind of breaking loose of that calcified place they were in, right? And allowing something new to emerge. You know, Joey, I figure you'll appreciate this if anybody will. Do you know the scene at the end of Ghostbusters when uh, Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis' characters, I think they're like encased in the strange, that that material, I, I don't know what it is, but it's like, because she turns from the creepy dog ghost thing back into a regular person. And then she has that stuff kicked around her. Do you know what scene I'm talking about? Yes, yes. Okay, that's kind of how it feels, right? A lot of couples are like that. And if you don't know what I'm talking about and you're listening, you know, <laughs> look it up. Like We we'll can just, drop a link in the show notes. <laughs> we'll, we'll find it on YouTube. It's end of Ghostbusters. You know, uh, Dana comes out of the creepy dog encasing. I don't know what to call it, right? But that's how people are. They get stuck and they don't think there's a way out. But my goodness, it's not just that there's a way out. It's that so much is possible on the other side. And this couple, while working with me, remember, they were on the verge of divorce. They were best friends again. I'm the same person the wife said to me, oh my God, Adam, I started calling my husband my best friend again. I haven't said that in years, right? And while not everybody listening is going to be in that dire of straits, it just hopefully gives you a sense of the kind of transformation and relationship growth that's possible when you lean into an uncomfortable topic and do it with the right support and guidance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a a key reminder of the communication element of thing. And to your point of you can do projects at home without having to spend a lot of money. I want to give a plug for Nextdoor, which is both an an endless source of neighbor complaints of uh, people playing music too loud or uh you know they they walked around and saw like dog poop in someone's yard and then 
they they were like, why are people letting dogs poop? And it's very entertaining from that angle, but also very <laughs> fun uh, and helpful for getting both recommendations of, hey, you know, I, I'd love to have like a plumber come and finally take a look at this toilet so I can do something with it or um, just just borrowing tools, like going on and being like, hey, and, and this happened fairly recently in my own backyard, uh, this weak tree uh, tipped over due to a an excessive windstorm a few Texas weeks ago and was just sitting in the backyard. And I don't know what to do when a tree falls in my yard. And so I kind of just <laughs> did a little a little online research and it seemed like the easiest way would be to saw it into smaller pieces and make it more manageable. And then uh, we have once a month a... I don't know what their official title is, but I'm just going to say the lumber people uh, for the city come by and, and can kind of take it away. Or, again, to the circle of life, it we can post on Nextdoor and say, hey, we've got some logs if anyone wants to take it. There you go. Firewood or whatever. And basically just went on and, and asked, hey, does anyone have a handsaw that they uh, don't mind borrowing? Because it, was, it wasn't like a huge, you know, thick tree trunk. It was more of a, a smaller one. Um, and being able to... Find a, a friendly neighbor that's just looking to help. Always well, always very nice. There so you go. You don't have to look far. Hmm, I dig it. Maybe you touched on this with, with communication being the answer to this, but what's the top mistake that couples make with their finances? Yeah, well, it's definitely related. Uh, so if you're out there and you're having some stress around your finances, right, the temptation might be, okay, we should cut our expenses. Right. And that's normal and natural. And it's not a bad inclination. That may be something that is helpful to do. And for most of us, if we're not being really intentional with our money, there's some low hanging fruit that we can cut if we really just kind of went through our bank statements or credit card bill and really looked at what each thing was. But uh, I would say in that spot, rather than going straight to the numbers, if you do that, you create an opportunity for disagreement. Right? Because you and your significant other, you're not the same person, right? You have different preferences. So if you try and figure out which items to cut from your spending, inevitably there's going to be some sense of conflict. We're not going to see things exactly the same way, which by the way, is normal and healthy. That's part of the fun. That's why we enjoy being with this person. They compliment us in some way. Uh, so if you go straight to the numbers, you are asking for trouble. On the other hand, if you come together first and get comfortable talking about money related stuff, develop a sense of trust and safety around it. And then ultimately figure out what is your big picture plan? Where are you today? And where are you trying to get to tomorrow? Then once you actually look at the budget and try and figure out, okay, do we need to cut money? Now there's a real context for it. And if we do need to cut our expenses, how much, how many dollars do we need to cut? Okay. Let's somehow order these things that are on our budget or the things that we're spending money on and decides which ones are and decide which ones are worth keeping and which ones we could cut, even if it's just temporary. Right. So I would say rather than making the mistake of going straight to the numbers, which it can be asking for a fight, start getting comfortable talking to each other, getting clear on where you are and where you're going. And then you can look more to the specifics. And I think that's a good way too to kind of uncover some of the different uh, experience or values that you might have with money because, well, you and I are, you know, our most frivolous purchases are 
or hobbies or, or things that can kind of help us take a mental break. Maybe someone else's uh, idea of like a, 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 you know, impulse frivolous spend is a new yacht or something. I've been rewatching Bojack Horseman and he just kind of impulse <laughs> buys a yacht. And I, <laughs> I guess it's helpful in, in escaping from the hubbub a little bit, but that's, that's a pretty massive purchase. So, Oh yeah. If there are two partners that kind of have those different values, talking about it is the first step, but where can they go after that? Yeah, it's a great question. So first of all, let me tell you, it's amazing what happens once you start talking about things. When we are trying to figure out solutions to difficult situations on our own, then it seems like a very limited set of options. But once we start talking to our partner and understand each other's points of view, all of a sudden, a lot of different options will show up. But bottom line, the first thing you need to do is figure out, I like to call them the four essentials or your financial balance sheet, right? You want to find out your income, expenses, assets, and debts. So income, whatever's coming in from any source, right? Expenses, what you're spending. And of course, this is going to fluctuate month to month, but it's good to get an idea of the baseline of the things you're spending every month and then what kinds of purchases that happen once in a while, like a vacation or Christmas or anniversary, right? So that's income and expenses. And then assets are anything of value, like your home or your 401k or uh, anything like that. Uh, For us, maybe some sports memorabilia, Joey. And then (laughs) your debts are anything where you owe money, right? Credit card debt, student loan debt. And it's also really helpful to know not just how much you owe, but what are the interest rates, right? To see which ones are charging you the highest rates of interest. And that, let me tell you something. I don't know a number off the top of my head, but the percentage of people who are really clear on those four things, it's excruciatingly small in this country. And it's going to put you so far ahead of the game if you take the time to do that. So that's really place, that's the first place to go because that creates for you your sense of where am I today? in a, not from where I feel like I am or where I'd like to be, but really from a place of integrity, this is where I actually am, right? And then it's from there that you want to go and try and figure out what are your most important goals and values and priorities, right? And when you do that, then you can look at those two things and figure out, okay, how do we bridge the gap? How do I get from where I am today to where I'd like to be, right? What's that gonna take? And then you can create a plan and start executing on it. As far as getting all of that down, do you have a tool or something that you recommend or is like a good old fashioned Excel or Google spreadsheet the way to go? Yeah. So with my clients, I start them off on a Google spreadsheet or which I've made and customized for my folks. Um, The reason I start with a spreadsheet and why I recommend it is because especially if you haven't been keeping track of these numbers, it's important for you to get that clarity and also to navigate any feelings that come up around it, right? Whether it's better or worse or the same as you thought, but it can be uncomfortable to go look at our expenses or income. It can be difficult to track down our assets and our debts sometimes, or, you know, we don't like seeing that we owe that money. And so uh, step into that right? So that's part of the reason why I like to have people do it in a spreadsheet. But ultimately, um, you know, this is something a lot of my clients care about. My clients are often in the millennial age range, give or take. And, you know, I have one client where the man works in tech, 
right? And the woman's a therapist. They don't want a more complicated life. So initially, yes, I had them work with the spreadsheet, but now they've transitioned. Now that they know their financial realities and they're communicating about it, they've transitioned to an app. And there are some built specifically for couples. Um, so a couple that, pun not intended, that I'd like to mention, <laughs> one is called Honeydew, H-O-N-E-Y-D-U-E. And the other one is called Zeta, Z-E-T-A, which their website's askzeta.com. And they're neat because they were both built with couples in mind. And uh, each of the founders are really passionate about helping couples sort out their finances and, and strengthen their relationship along the way. So I like to recommend those two. Nice, nice. I like it. I'm certainly more of the spreadsheet audience, but I know there are lots of good apps out there. So good to have the options. And as you may have noticed over the past year, we've been living through a pandemic and that kind of has thrown a wrench in I'm sure a lot of different plans, whether it was weddings being postponed or buying houses, things like that. So during this pandemic, because we're not we're not out of the woods totally yet, what should people have been or if they haven't, what should they be doing now with their money during the pandemic? Yeah, well, you know, this ties back to one of my favorite myths. Um, listen, let me first give a caveat. It's going to be, of course, different based on your situation, how much money you have in savings, how much money does your partner make, how secure is your job, does your family have resources, would they be able to help out if things went wrong? So there's so much that goes to all of this, but um, because student loan interest rates are frozen at zero right now for government-backed for loans that were public loans from the government, uh, a lot of people have suggested, okay, now's a really great time to pay off as much of your student loan as you can while uh, there's not interest accruing. And in general, there's like paying off debt is in general a pretty good choice to make, right? Uh, so no denying that, but during a pandemic, having cash on hand is so valuable because there's so much uncertainty in our economy. You don't know what's going to happen with your job. I mean, I have one couple where the husband got his hours cut and the wife lost her job and that can do a number on a budget. But the amazing part was because of the work they'd done with me, remember the wife said, oh my God, Adam, I just realized on what my husband makes, if I wanted to be a stay-at-home parent, I actually could do that. I had never realized that before. And how they got there was by stripping down their budget to the essentials. But the first step was getting clear on what they're actually spending on and why, and which spending is aligned with their values and goals and which isn't, right? And then when the pandemic came around, they went just to the bare necessities. And when they looked at it, they said, wow, we actually need less than we thought to survive. And by the way, this is a family with two kids living in also an expensive metro area. Um, so it's not that their expenses are like $2,000 a month, but less than they thought. And that's where that clarity piece is so key. And so if you haven't done that already, do it now. Um, and beyond that, don't be so quick to give away your cash because God forbid you or your significant other lose their job and you need money it's very difficult to get it from somewhere, right? A bank is not gonna just typically give you a loan for personal expenses. So what happens if you don't have the money to afford it, it ends up on a credit card. And now it's maybe hurting your credit score. You might be paying upwards of 20, 25% in interest. 
that's not a good situation, right? So it's, I'm not saying discouraging you from paying off debt. That's often a really great strategy, but make sure that you're being thoughtful about how much cash you have. If you don't have enough, try and fortify that, especially during times of uncertainty, right? If your job is locked in and it's not going anywhere and you make more money than you spend, that's a different dynamic, right? But during the pandemic, so many of us have faced so much uncertainty that I'm a big fan of having cash on hand and hanging on to it as much as you can. But then when an emergency strikes, like the pandemic, if you have to use that cash, don't be embarrassed to use it, right? Just prioritize having access to cash and then use it if things get bad or there's an emergency. Something else that you do that I think is is pretty unique from what I've seen is you have a series of financial parodies. (laughs) I believe my favorite is the parody of Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody, but all very, (laughs) all very enjoyable. Where did this come from? Was it always something that you wanted to do or did you just pair a love of music (laughs) and finances together? Joey, let me be absolutely clear. None of any of this was anything I had always planned to do. (laughs) (laughs) Like the fact that I had the right skill sets to start this work. I mean, like I said, it doesn't really exist. There's a reason that couplesfinancialcoach.com was an available URL for me, right? Like nobody had thought to call themselves that. Uh, So yeah, a lot of it was just a happy accident. But like you, I'm a musician. Um, And when I was living out in California, which is where I was until late 2019, now I'm back in Florida, which is where I grew up. Uh, But I joined a cover band and I didn't end up staying with the band because I moved. But turns out we had a really awesome set list of great songs from like 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And I don't know what was the exact moment, but one day I just said, you know, it'd be a lot of fun to take some of these songs and I love writing lyrics, like parody lyrics. And uh, I love trying to match the cadence and the syllables and plays on words. I'm a, puns are my favorite thing, much to the chagrin of uh, anybody who spends a lot of time with me, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it basically just came out of a desire to mix and match things that I love and am passionate about. And honestly, look, as a small business owner, as someone who is selling myself, right? People are going to want to trust me and work with me to help them with this extremely important issue in their relationship or in their marriage. It really helps to humanize myself however I can. And it's, I mean, I just had a client recently who said, yeah, actually a big part of why we were sold on you is because of your parodies, right? She told me that right as I signed up for a package to work with me. And uh, I think it brings just kind of this human element for my audience. But for me, it's really just about having fun. And honestly, it makes for really good social media content. And uh, there are more in the works. The last one has not yet been recorded. Let's say that. But I, but I agree with you. My favorite is definitely I Want to Plan with Somebody, the Whitney Houston parody, um, which is in no way to say I'm parodying Whitney herself. She is <laughs> just one of the greatest singers of all time. Uh, but having a little fun with that song, you know, I want to save receipts with somebody and I want to plan with somebody. Right. Uh, so yeah, you know, it tied into what I'm doing. Some of my songs are a little bit more focused on uh, social issues and like around economics and for example, the gender wage gap or things like this. Uh, but they're all around finance. And like I said, particularly centered around couples. Have you gotten any requests from either current or, or potential clients of future songs to do? <laughs> I have gotten requests. Um, 
sometimes they're good. You know, this is a musician, Joey. Sometimes people have ideas and it's just like, listen, I am so grateful for your enthusiasm, but that is not a good idea. <laughs> that ain't it. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I, I've been playing piano all my life and I have what they call perfect pitch. So typically if I know a song, I can play it on the piano, but sometimes people will be like, oh yeah, you should do like this song. And it's, you know, a song that's kind of like hip hop, let's say, but, and it doesn't have so much of like a bass line, more of like a bass drum kick. And I'm like, it's really, and it's it's more a flow than a melody. And I'm like, it's really difficult to play this on the piano. <laughs> like the instrumentation I have, it doesn't really fit with. But listen, there's no doubt if I could one day drop a Kendrick Lamar track as one of my finance parodies, that would be a crowning achievement of my young life. <laughs> well, we'll keep an eye out for it. Keep Keep working at it. And uh <laughs> that one's not on deck yet, by the way. But who knows? Maybe the inspiration will strike after he maybe twenty twenty three. Yeah, <laughs> I guess he even kind of does in his uh, his verse in the Lonely Island song. Yolo is kind of already, I think, up your alley, it, where he's kind of just talking about uh, the refinance rate and that it's a great deal and to go for it. So, <laughs> well, listen, Kendrick talks about real life, right? And so. Uh, especially for him growing up in Compton. And so poverty is a huge part of what he talks about. Right. I mean, that's, he has a song called money trees. Right. And like, and it's just about what he did as a kid to try and hustle for money and how he never had the opportunities that a lot of other people had growing up and how they, he and his friends responded. So yeah, there's definitely some opportunities there. I, I can't believe I'm saying that publicly, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yes. Well, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to him retweeting some of your work in that'd the, be the day we'll say in the next 36 months we'll give you a long a long buffer to work out all the, <laughs> the perfect lyrics now one other thing i want to touch on you mentioned how you're back in florida now we both have miami ties at the university of miami all about the u etc etc and i uh, what what years were you there 2005 to 2009 Okay, so just a year before me, I was there, 2006, 2010. There we so go. Neither one of us really got a great football team experience. No. <laughs> I was the the first year of the demise, really. Uh, <laughs> they they were really good and early in the year, and then they lost a terrible home game to Georgia Tech and got blown out in the bowl. And then they got blown out at the last game in the Orange Bowl. Ugh. <laughs> my poor family who became Canes fans along with me and the team has not been very good since but <laughs> such is life such is life yeah I remember that last game at the Orange Bowl as well it was very very sad to not score a single point and the one time we thought Miami did score it was called back because of a penalty and I said huh Sounds yeah right. and I mean not only was it an embarrassing defeat but it wasn't even against like it was if it was against a really top-notch team, it was against Virginia Cavaliers. Great at basketball. Football, not so much. Right. And I <laughs> I'll admit I did quickly Google it. 48 nothing. Oh my God. <laughs> and sadly, not the worst Hurricanes home loss since I or at least loss. I don't remember that Clemson game that was whatever that was 55 to zero. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But you made the, the move then from 
Miami to Duke for law school. So what was that like going from, I mean, I would say probably while we were there, Miami was, dare I say, a better basketball team, although still not great, (laughs) but at least like competitive and made the tourney, I I guess just one of the, maybe, maybe two of your years. I don't remember exactly, but, um, and then you go to Duke, which obviously a huge basketball powerhouse. What was that transition like as a hoops fan? Well, first of all, anybody who has multiple schools, I think can attest to this. It is always your undergrad first and foremost, right? So if Duke is playing Miami, if they were, and if they are, and if they will be in the future, and of course they play each other every year, I'm always rooting for the Hurricanes. Um, Just to be clear about that. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely fun to be at Duke. In fact, when I went to an open house to visit the law school, it was actually when Butler made their final four run and uh, was watching the Duke Butler game literally live at a bar in Durham, which was a pretty cool experience. Much closer than uh, our most recent national championship game. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was neat. I mean, look, it's fun to be at a school that excels from a sports point of view. It just at least for me as a sportsman, right? Just another thing to enjoy and bond with your classmates over. And uh, if your team does well, have a little bit of pride amongst your other sportsman friends. Yeah, it's always nice. I've got a friend who lives out in uh, in Raleigh now, and he said once once all this settles, he's like, we're going to a Duke UNC game, and I think I think I'm excited for it. I I definitely would have been pre pandemic, but I I need to see how sports games go for a little bit with with uh, full fan fandom <sighs> back before I'm ready to take the plunge. But it does seem yes. just like an an unreal experience, especially compared to Miami, where on most given nights I'd say it was thirty percent capacity. And then when it was a really good school like Duke coming in, it was largely Duke fans that were there in attendance. <laughs> but you know what was cool, right? When I was at UM, uh, they beat Duke at a home game one of my years. Probably was one of your years, too, because I don't think it was my freshman year. And I believe it was like the Kyle Singler Duke days. And the people who came out for the basketball games were real fans, right? Because everybody went to the football games. It was just an institution. So everybody went, but the basketball games, the people who were there were fans, right? They knew to keep quiet when you were on offense. They knew to make noise when you were on defense. They understood to not be screaming when the Hurricanes players are shooting free throws. So it was a lot of fun to be part of that too. Yeah, it was great, great time. And we have high hopes after this past season, the injury riddled team almost almost making some noise and sneaking yeah. into the <laughs> tournament despite being several games under five hundred. But always exactly. always a fantastic time. Love it. Good high hopes to the Hurricanes across all sports coming up. And perhaps this segues nicely into our top three. But you tell me. You want to do the sports team seasons or are you are you feeling something else? <laughs> I'm feeling something else, okay? We're going to have a little bit of fun. First of all, I'll give a taste, though. 2003, as a South Florida kid, 2003 Florida Marlins, before they were Miami, is my favorite sports season period. Uh, that was an upstart team that was supposed to have no business being in the race. They started off something like 12 and 21, changed managers, and ended up upsetting the Cubs in the National League Championship Series. That's the famous... Steve Bartman game 
And uh, they ended up beating the Yankees in six with Josh Beckett throwing a complete game shutout in the in game six to win it all. So that was my favorite sports season. Okay, but I'm going to throw a little change in there. I'm going to say my top three video game speed runs because we've been talking hobbies today. And a few years ago, I started taking up speed running, which is trying to uh, finish video games as quickly as you can. Right. And so as someone who grew up, I'm a 80s, 90s kid. And so I have beaten the original Super Mario Brothers game. My best times five minutes and 10 seconds. And then Super Mario 3, my best time, I believe, is around 11 minutes and 50 seconds, give or take. And then I don't have an actual time for this one, but I have beaten Mike Tyson in Mike Tyson Punch-Out. And that alone is an accomplishment about which I am very proud. Fantastic. That's, I mean, that's more than I've done for sure in Punch-Out. And also in terms of the speed runs, I'm not good at them. I've tried occasionally just doing like a level and being like, how fast can I do this? And it, uh, it's not great. It's not great results usually. It takes practice. And it's great. if you watch other people who do it well, that really helps too. Oh and yeah, the one tricks. Just yeah, watching. I think the the one that stands out in my mind is the uh, the Super Mario sixty four, where you do that kind of fake, not fake, but like glitch jump, where you do a long jump, but you kind of hold yourself backwards so you can yep. just barricade through the walls and up the stairs and get to the final <laughs> Bowser. And I've definitely tried that before. No idea how to how to actually pull it off, despite Zapruder film esque studying of of these other uh, videos and descriptions of people. Oh my God. The complexity of that particular trick, it's, I feel like it's on the level, like watching the video explaining it was as complicated, if not more complicated than certain like uh, intro to quantum mechanics videos I've watched on YouTube. Like it is literally the world of Super Mario 64 has multiple parallel universes, literally. And you have to figure out how to like travel through them at the proper speed in order to come back in the proper place in the actual universe that you're playing in. It's just ridiculous. I don't understand it at all either. Yeah. It's just so, so fanatical. And, (laughs) and it's also, I I was just thinking of another uh, speed run. I, I must've watched this like four years ago, but for whatever reason, it stuck with me of these two guys playing GoldenEye, which I didn't even know you could play GoldenEye single player with two players. I don't know if Mm. they had, modded things or what but one of them was controlling the movement and one was controlling the shooting element of it and there's some levels in there where it's kind of like for uh the statue level we're getting real nerdy now nishin nishin out here into one particular golden eye level but the statue level you have to recover a black box from a helicopter that explodes and it's random where it shows up and they say while they're playing it like oh if it's not in one of these I think it's like one one or two spots out of a potential five or six. Like this whole thing is is not going to happen. Like we're not mm-hmm. going to set the record. And this is, I believe, the 10th level of the game. So you're halfway through the game already when you could potentially be thwarted based oh, on yeah. where the computer just randomly spawns an item for you to oh, pick yeah. up. And so they just happen to go to the first spot and it's there. And they're like, <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Like, <laughs> Well, listen, Mario 3 has an element like that. You know, if you're trying to beat the game... Uh, in the category that I did it in like 11 minutes, there's this part where they call it the hands. And there's these five, when you're in the last world, there's these five spaces. And on three of them, 
it's literally 50 50 each space whether you get a hand comes out and grabs mario or not and if the hand grabs you you have a, a mini level you have to complete and they take about 15 to 20 seconds so if you're talking about a speed run that's only a number of minutes getting one two or three hands can derail it completely and that's like you said also in the like kind of second half of the game and yeah it can be a frustrating category to run <laughs> lots of controllers thrown in frustration <laughs> yes Fantastic. not personally not recently. no 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 yes no no damage tvs by throwing a, a console through it but uh, listen when i was a kid different story yeah. but lately okay i've learned how to manage my emotions <laughs> yes yeah i think uh, i remember breaking a dino pet if you remember those they were like giga pet adjacent but specifically for dinosaurs oh, and i wow. remember i you could get different kinds of dinosaurs and i <laughs> i was about to get a pterodactyl for the first time and then my dinosaur died like during the hatching process oh my goodness and i was like i just incubated this i mean it was probably like a week tops like not a huge time investment but as a kid you know that seems like forever and i remember just like disgustedly <laughs> just like throwing it against the wall like probably oh, harder no. than one should but not like super hard and then that never worked again and that was my last mm. experience with dino pets so i'm mm. sorry to hasbro or whoever made those but <laughs> i clearly didn't respect the infrastructure there but that's that's neither here nor there <laughs> and well for us but maybe yeah <laughs> yes yes this is the the only podcast i think that's touching on both dino pets and miami hurricanes basketball and financials for couples and we segue again coming full circle coming back nicely if people want to learn more about what you do see your parodies or just kind of get some more info about where they can get started with their finances where can they go absolutely so i mentioned this earlier but my website is couplesfinancialcoach.com and you can find all kinds of content and resources there uh, i'm also on social media as at Couples Financial Coach on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, and you can connect with me there. And yeah, we'd just love to chat with you. would love to hear from you. If you already know you're interested to work with me, I have a bit.ly link. It's B-I-T period L-Y slash financial harmony consultation. That's all lowercase and one word. And that's to have a time for me to chat with you and your partner and understand what are the things getting in your way of having that clarity and teamwork and confidence and peace of mind around your money and the steps that are going to help you get there. And also I should, I guess I should mention the YouTube channel too, uh, just under my name, Adam Cole, KOL. And uh, you can feel free to watch videos about managing money as a couple and or my songs. So I enjoy it. However you see fit. Fantastic. Well, Adam, thank you so much for hopping on and chatting. Lots of good stuff. I'm I'm like ready to start a spreadsheet now and, and really hammer down on everything. There you go. Thanks a lot for having me on, Joey. Absolutely. And as always, we got to end with a corny joke. How do you tell an accountant to be quiet? I don't know, Joey. How do you? Just ask them to use their invoice. Get after it today, people. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. As always, you can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Wonderful day.